13. And once you're there, you can go ahead and stand with me. If you're able to, please stand as we read God's word. Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13. I apologize to anybody who already had your Bibles open to another passage. So I'm going a little bit different of a direction this morning as God's been leading me. And I apologize to Jessica for that because I know she spent a lot of times doing those bulletins and wrote a different passage in there. But Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13, we read this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I'm going to read that one more time as I know some people are still looking for it. It's a hard book to find. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Thank you. You may be seated. So we're continuing today in this series, Jesus and Your Future. And last week we were talking about the new, the new you, the new self, the new life that you have in Jesus Christ. As we've been working through this series, beginning on New Year's Eve, talking about a new year, a new year's fear, a new year God. And moving on to talking about the old self and then comparing to the new self, the new life. Today we talk about to know Christ. And let me tell you, this message, this sermon I've been preparing all week has gone a lot of different directions. As I struggle with where to start, what direction to go. And as the Spirit led, I found myself just going in numerous different directions. And I kept changing my mind throughout the week as I kept kind of fighting God, fighting the Spirit and saying, well, this is the direction I have planned. This is the direction I've already been thinking out. And as I realized I needed to look towards God and His will, just as we all should be, I decided to go ahead and turn away from my decision on the direction I was going. So we're continuing to look into this in the coming weeks, but in the bulletin you'll notice it said Philippians 3.10 and Galatians 5.1-15. And those are great scripture references which talk about to know Christ, but it's a very different direction. I'll be putting several of these ideas together as I try and just bring about this whole concept of to know Christ. And what does it truly mean to know Christ? So as I do this, I followed the Spirit's leading, and I wanted to just kind of start off from where we left off last week. We ended last week with this verse from Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will come upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. To know Christ. To know God. Whom do you seek? That's what we're looking at today, what we're thinking about today. And this is an example of scripture which is often misused or overused. You see, we have a tendency of liking to write this in about every graduation card we ever send. In wedding cards and greetings, just general encouragement cards. I think at least 50% of us in here, if I'd have you raise your hands, have at some point encourage somebody with Jeremiah 29. God has a plan for you, not for evil, but for a future and for hope. We like to encourage people with that. 
but do they know what truly comes next? Because I think that's where we, we often mislead them, is we fail to go that step further. And that step further is really the key to figuring out what God's future for them is. How do they find that hope? How do they find that goodwill? How do they avoid that evil? So I want to start this morning with a quote and a picture here from John Piper, which says this. Maybe. There it is. The Bible will not give its riches to those who will not dig. Let me let you think about that for just a moment. The Bible will not give its riches to those who will not dig. Sometimes I have a way of talking so fast and trying to give so much information that we fail to just dwell upon meaningful quotes, meaningful scripture, meaningful statements which really make us think. I think it's one of those the Bible will not give its riches to those who will not dig. And as we continue to look to our future with Jesus, we must look to how to know Christ. To know Christ, we must dig deeper. To know Christ, we must dig deeper. We must dig. And as I myself this week continue to dig deeper and deeper, I found that there is many directions to dig. There's many directions that we can look to how do we know Christ. And the direction that I want to go this morning is the direction that we ended last week. The challenge to want more, to dig deep, to seek God, to truly look to how do we seek God? How do we know him better? How do we know him more? The challenge to want more in all that we do and not, not just stop at step one or step two or step three, but go all the way to the end of the steps and then when we think we went all the way to the end, we go back to the beginning and we keep on going. We must go beyond. We must truly seek God with our whole heart. And we must look to him and his ways. And we must also look to how to do these things better. How to read his word better. How to study his word better. How to pray better. How to serve him and his people better. How to glorify him in all we do more better. To continue this direction, I want to bring your attention to the church constitution, and I'm not going to hand them all out to you today, but what I did do is I'm going to put them up on the screen to read them to you, and I want to challenge you guys to this. I, I once did a study at our past church called Dare to be a Christian, and it just dared us to be better Christians, to be more involved, to be more committed to doing what God tells us to do. And I'd love to talk to you about that study sometime, but one point in that was, I dare you to read the church's constitution. How many of you have ever actually picked this up and read it, word for word, and seen it? Thank you. So I do see some hands, mostly leaders in the church, but a lot of times it is just the leaders in the church body. When just being a visitor here, I, I challenge you, if you are a visitor or if you've ever visited a church, Read their constitution so you can really see what do they believe or why are you attending a church continually if you don't agree with what they believe. Now, there are hills to die on, and there's things that we can just all get along and continue to worship God together and know him better. I understand that, but you don't know that if you don't ask, if you don't look. So we put this church constitution out there, and I challenge you, pick it up and read it. But today, we're looking specifically at the purpose of this church. 
And as it's up there on the screen, you can read it. The purpose, the purpose of this church is to know Christ and make him known, which is, number one, to honor our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Two, to bear a united witness to the face of its members in the whole Bible as the word of God. Three, to make known the gospel to our fellow citizens here in Bloomer, in other areas of our country, and in the whole world in obedience to the mission given us in the final command of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number four, to build up our local body of believers to a place of spiritual maturity, fruitful service, and mutual love. And number five, to function properly as a body of Christ in agreement with the scriptures. So I specifically bring this up today because of the mission, the purpose of this church, which is to know Christ and make him known. Now, I, I hope and I think that we think about that enough. We mention that enough. We talk that enough, about that enough that everybody should know this is the purpose of that church. But this is largely, largely my reason for this study, Jesus in your future. And as we look this new year, this beginning of the year, to a new year's vision, I want to make sure that we're actually doing this. We don't just say it on Sunday mornings, but we actually do it during the week. So what does to know Christ really mean? What does to make him known really mean? The next few weeks, we're going to be looking to this, and we're going to dive in deeper into this. But today, we're just focusing on to know Christ. And I believe to know Christ, we must be seeking him. So whom do you seek? We must be seeking him. To know Christ, we must truly be seeking him. Now, I love this picture. And I, I love that it shows a picture of the mountains. It shows the man there. It shows him kind of hiking, trekking along in this journey. I love to hike. I love to backpack. And I've used this picture before because I think it really illustrates our own lives quite well. The problem is with this man is as he's hiking through this journey of life, He's not really prepared very well, is he? As you see, he doesn't have hiking clothes on. Now, I can't really see his shoes, but I'm imagining in my head he's got a suit on, he's got a tie on, he's got dress shoes, he's got a little pack on with his laptop computer in it. I'm getting a lot from a picture, aren't I? A picture that he's kind of shadowed in and hard to see. But here's my point. He's not really prepared for the journey that he's seeking. I think a lot of times that's us as well. Just like this man, we have a tendency to seek God, to try to know Christ more or better in all the, way, the wrong ways. We don't properly prepare ourselves to seek Him. We should not simply seek God when we want something, but instead we should seek Him with our whole heart all the time, every year, every week, every day, every hour. God desires a relationship with us, but are we truly seeking him? And specifically, as this verse tells us, are we seeking him with our whole heart? We should be seeking him for who he is, and he will bless us for our service to him. This morning, as I was preparing the sermon, making my final points on it, I was thinking of a song from Sonic Flood. Now, this is going back into the mid-90s, probably mid to late 1990s, but they had a song, Sonic Flood, just titled, I Want to Know You. And it goes along these, these lines of, I want to know you. 
more. I want to know your face. I want to know your voice. I want to know you more. And here's the problem. I think we say that in our own lives. We tell people, I want to know Christ. I want to know God. I want to have a better relationship with God. But we don't go that extra mile. We think that we're going to know Him by simply going to church on Sunday. By simply going to a Bible study or a prayer meeting on Wednesday night. But to know Christ, we must be seeking Him with every choice we make. We must be seeking Him every day that we live. And as we're out in the community, as we're in our homes, as we're in our beds, everywhere we go, we're seeking Him. Psalm 1-3 to tells us this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. I love that, that scripture there. And I like it when scripture really just paints this picture for us. It makes it easier for us to understand. And as it gives us this illustration of a tree, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaves does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. That's our relationship with God. As we know Christ, as we know God, as we truly seek him, we're going to be blessed. And we still see this illustration of a tree. Maybe you think, why am I reading about a tree? I'm reading the Bible about how to know God better. But it, it paints this picture for us of like a tree that's by the water. The water is going to help it to grow, to truly flourish, to truly do its purpose and to have fruit. Like that, as we are committing ourselves to know Christ, to know God more, and to have a true relationship with him, seeking out his will every day. We're, we are like that tree next to that water, and we're going to grow. We're going to become more mature in our faith. We're going to continue to make choices which are according to his will. We live in a world focused upon ourselves, our own wants and desires and needs, and very rarely, rarely do we really consider others more than ourselves. And this goes the same for our relationship with God. Too often we're only thinking about our relationship with God when it benefits us. I heard a story from Pastor David Platt one time who, he, he went overseas to do a mission trip. I believe it was David Platt, and basically the book I was reading went like this. He said, I went overseas on this mission trip. I had a one-hour sermon prepared to give to these men of this village. He got done preaching, his, preaching to these men for this one hour. He thought, man, that was great. God was really speaking in that. He begins to walk off the stage. Men said, where are you going? We walked here hours to get here. We're, we're prepared to be here for days. That's kind of how our lives are, though. We come here to church, or we, we study the Bible at home, too, and we're prepared for a one-hour Bible study. But can you imagine what it would do for our lives if we didn't stop, if we continued to seek Him more? And that's what he did, is he said, I just opened the Bible, and we just started to read God's Word, and we just started to study together. And at the end of the night, they didn't go home. They slept there in the building, and then we went right back at it the next day. Who are we seeking? Are we seeking our own 
purpose for God's word and God's will for our life, for our own futures that we want, or are we truly trying to know Christ and to know the future that he has for our life? He has made it utterly impossible for any human being to be on the fence. You're either good or bad, saved or lost. There's no middle ground, no halfway business, no neutral for any person on earth. And in Matthew 6.24, we read, No man can serve two masters. In Matthew 12.30, we read, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. In Joshua 24.15, Choose you this day whom ye will serve. Thank you. We know this, these Bible verses, but we continue to try to serve ourselves first instead of God first. We seek after so many things. We try to serve so many things. Your life, your testimony is helping to get people saved or it is not. It's doing Jesus' will and living according to the Bible to his will, or it's not. And we try and live in this gray area too much. But let's get back to the scripture. God has a plan for me, right? It can't be all this pain, this frustration, this hard life, right? So often we skip over the basic principles of a joyful life because we're so focused on our own needs and about serving all these masters in our life instead of looking to the number one master first. So Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13. Now first, let me give you a little bit of background here. Make sure, I want to make sure that it's understood where we're coming from. You see, this scripture was not addressed specifically to you. We can learn from it and we can apply it to our lives. But this scripture was addressing the entire nation of Israel. Not just one person, not a plan for one person for tomorrow, but a general plan for a nation. For years later and to come, it wasn't even going to happen the next day. A plan that Israel would be restored, saved, redeemed. Jeremiah's writings confronted people, a nation who was in exile, who had many needs, and unfortunately his people were being fed by many false hopes of false teachers who were trying to tell him just things they wanted to hear. Today the church faces the problem. How, the same problem. How can we deliver true hope and truth to people? In Jeremiah's day, people long for the restoration, for return. Today, people say that we, re, we are looking for revival, that we want the same thing, but I think too often our actions say something different. Our people say one thing, yet they respond another way. And just like all of God's word, we can learn from these verses. We must not just read it and let it go in one ear and out the other, but we must let it truly affect our life. So verse 11, we read this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now my challenge to you and what we're encouraged is to go beyond that. Look to the context before and continue reading beyond, and don't give people just this one little image, but give them the big image. Let them know what it all involved. So how does God have a, fan, uh, a plan for you? This is a very comforting statement in its own, and it's a blessing to know that God has a plan for you. We see this directly in Scripture, that God had a plan for his people there, and God continues to have a plan for us today. 
No matter who you are, God has a plan for you. Rich or poor, male or female, young or old, educated or non-educated, African-American, white, Caucasian, Mexican, Filipino, God doesn't care who you are. God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for you, but do you have a plan for him? Do you seek him? Do you truly attempt to know Christ, to know God, to know the spirit that's within you? And here lies the problem. We stop at verse 11 because we're so encouraged to hear God has a plan for us. And that's great. We should be encouraged. But we need to go beyond and think, how, why does God have a plan for us? How do I find this plan? Especially if we're going to use this verse for graduates and for weddings, for marriages. We need to tell them not just God has a plan for you. But we need to say, God has a plan for you. Let me tell you how you find that plan. So as we continue to read verse 12 to 13, we read, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Now, at first glimpse, maybe it kind of sounds like a little game of hiding, hide and seek. As we read a lot of seeking, you will call upon me, you come to pray to me, I will hear you. You will seek me, you'll find me, you'll seek me with all your heart. He gives us kind of a few things we need to do. If we seek him in every brook, every stream, in every crease, every crevice, in every dark closet, in every well, we'll find him eventually. Close your eyes, count to 100, and then go and look for him. We make it too complicated. We want to apply our own logic, our own knowledge to try and find God in our own ways. When God already tells us plain and simple here how to find him, you will call on me and come to pray to me, and I will hear you. It's actually a lot simpler than what we try and make it in life. I'm trying to find God's will for my life. I just can't find it. I just don't know where to go. Well, what does it say? It says, call upon me. Come and pray to me. Seek God. Seek him. If you simply seek God, go to him in his word and pray to him, he will hear you. And the more time you spend with him, the more you're trying to seek him and to know him, you're going to find his will for your life. You're going to know him better with your life. Jeremiah's, no, Jeremiah is not speaking of a game in hide and seek. He's speaking of truth. Very often we feel that God and his ways are hidden from us. We cannot see them unfolding, and we cannot sense his presence, and we cannot understand his ways. We feel the need to search, and in many ways searching is exactly what we need to do, but we need to search in the right ways. It is searching for the truth, the will of God, and a greater understanding of his holy will and of eternity. It is seeking meaning in a life filled with frustration and hard work, disappointment, sin, and temptations. It is trying so hard to be a good Christian, followers, and searching for ways to do. This is where we find his will, is by seeking his will and not our own. So how do we find this land that God has for us? To know Christ, we passionately seek him with all our heart. Passionately. What things in life do you passionately seek after? Do you spend all your time seeking after? All of your heart seeking after? All of your mind? I know there's a lot of things that I focus on. And there's things that ultimately don't matter. And I'm reminded of that every day as I'll spend 
Like you get something on your mind, and I'm one of those guys, I just can't get it off my mind until I research it from beginning to end. I fully understand it. But we, we don't generally do that with God's word. We want to spend just 15 minutes before work or 15 minutes before we go to bed. We don't go all the way. We need to passionately seek him with all of our heart. It is then that you'll find him. It's then that you will begin to truly know him, to truly know God, to truly know Christ. We must passionately seek after him in all that we do. And as you are seeking him with all your heart, you begin to naturally desire him more. And we talked about that this week at our Thursday morning Bible study at Main Street Cafe, that we're always going to have sin and temptation in our life. But the, the more that we're understanding God, the more we're seeking Him, the more that we know Christ, the more we'll naturally desire His Word. Because we're going to see the power that His Word brings to our lives. And you're, you're spending more time with Him and His Word and prayer. You'll know His ways. You'll know His will. You'll know His call upon your life. And as you know Christ more, as you have a better relationship with Him, you will begin to avoid the sin, avoid the temptations more. Psalm 119.10 says, With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from thy commandments, from your commandments. With your whole heart. I don't know where we get this idea in America that we should just seek God with a little bit. We shouldn't be fully committed. We shouldn't be all in. Everything else we're told to be all in. Be all in and you're going to win this football game. Be all in and you're going to get that management position at your job, at your work. But we don't want to be all in with our faith, with God. We don't want to do our commandments as we're told. We need to be all in. And as we're all in, we're continuing to know Christ more. So some practical steps to know Christ more. Number one, start your day right, in your day right, with God. Worship God, prayer, Bible reading, meditation. But how? So I started this off, I said, I don't want to just give them another list. I have a tendency of I speak too much, I don't always give deep, deep information. And some people aren't looking for the deep information. But I want to talk about the how. Okay, don't just say read your Bible more, pray more. But how can you read the Bible more effectively, more efficiently? How can you pray better? Now, ultimately, God just wants us to seek him out. God wants us to call upon him in his name, to pray to him, spend time with him, and he will listen to you. Number one, we must have a relationship with him. Know Christ as your Lord and Savior. But then we should continue to do this more. So I wanted to talk a little bit about this. Number one, worshiping God, prayer, Bible reading, meditation, how? Find a devotional. Maybe it's on your YouVersion Bible app, books, websites, email devotionals. I get probably 10, 15, 20 devotionals a day. A lot of them I haven't even signed up for. You just put your email out there one time and you get a bunch. So there are endless opportunities for us in America to get devotionals and be in God's Word. But I want to challenge you to the next step. Open your Bible. Get a study Bible and some commentaries. Again, there's many available. And pray. Ask God to guide your thoughts as you read. Sometimes we're so fast and we're so focused on what we just need to do that we don't think about it. 
So we, we think, oh, I need to write, read my Bible. We open our Bible, read our three verses for the day. Then we start getting dressed. We get to, to work, and we realize, oh, I didn't pray beforehand. Pray, Lord Jesus, God, just please help to open my mind this morning to your will. What are you wanting me to see here? How do we pray? Again, this is a big topic, something we can have a full sermon series on. But I wanted to at least give you something little. How do you pray? Look to God's example for how to pray in Scripture. Look to the Lord's Prayer. Or one example I like to use is the Acts Prayer. The Acts Prayer is very simple. It's just each letter stands for something. So remember Acts Prayer. A-C-T-S. Acts. It stands for Adoration. Confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. A lot of times when we pray, we have a tendency of starting out with what we need. We focus again upon ourselves. We're not truly seeking out what God says we need or what God wants us to do. We're not focusing on just the mightiness, the holiness, the amazing picture of who God is. We need to start off with adoring him. And that's where the Acts prayer is great. Is it focuses us to start out with just adoring God. Adoration. Talk about how amazed you are by God and to be in the presence of him. Confession. Now, if you've already accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you're already saved. But we still should go to our Lord and Savior and say, Lord, forgive me this day. For my trespasses. Forgive me for not always seeking you out as I should. And then move into thanksgiving. Thank him for what he's done for you. Thank him for the many blessings that he's already given you. And then supplication. Supplication is a really fancy word. But all it means is supply. Ask God to supply your needs. Now when you're doing that. And now you've already focused on all this of God first you kind of realize sometimes how little your needs are. And it helps you to focus on upon, wow, God, I know I ask for a lot of things, but maybe this doesn't matter. Lord, you know what I need. Please give me this day what I need to be able to provide for my family, to be able to provide for me, to be able to provide for me as I serve you. As you pray, always end with a, a will of your life, a purpose in your life to serve him. To glorify him. Now we move, we move, move on to that next step of read the word. Now I, I mentioned open your Bible. Get a study Bible and some commentaries. Now I love devotionals. I love commentaries. I love study Bibles. But I want to focus on one thing first. You must read it yourself first. Meditate it yourself first. Don't go straight to the commentary. Don't go straight to the study Bible. Don't go straight to the devotionals even, but read God's word your, yourself. And then make sure that you spend a little time meditating on it. Don't just say, oh man, I don't understand this. Let's read down below. But really think about it. And again, that's a reason to pray about it first and ask God, God, tell me, what are you saying here? Think about the who, the what, the when, the where, the why, and just really make some notes. Put a, put a journal page and write who, what, when, where, why, how, and actually think through it. Don't try and get the reading God's word for dummies book. Go to Google. Go to your Bible study, your, your study Bible, your commentary. But think about it yourself first. Now, set a time limit. Maybe you're going to say 20 minutes. 
for 20 minutes, I'm just going to sit there and meditate on this word. I'm going to think through it myself. I'm going to allow God's, God's spirit, the spirit within me, to lead me. Now, it's good. There's nothing wrong with the commentaries to study Bibles. But remember that the word of God is the word of God. The commentary is just someone else's opinion of what it says. Sometimes we treat the commentary section as the word of God. It's not. Maybe that's news to you, but those notes on the bottom of the page is somebody else's opinion. It's further explanation to help clarify what you read. And I love study Bibles. I love commentaries because we all need help. But do caution yourself not to treat commentary as the word of God. It's an opinion. And don't go there first. Caution yourself with who or what sources you go to as well. So as you're looking at a study Bible, as you're looking for a commentary, make sure you look to who actually wrote these study notes. So, for instance, mine, I have the MacArthur, the John MacArthur Study Bible. Now, make sure you're looking for somebody who has the same beliefs, the same views as you, so that you're not putting poison or toxin, toxic ways into your life which go against the true doctrine of God, the true will of God. Now, maybe you're thinking, but Patrick, how do I understand who to look for? Ask me, see me. Do some research. Again, don't stop at step one. Don't just go into a Christian bookstore and say, hey, there's a study Bible commentary. I'm buying that one. But actually, look, who wrote these notes? Depending on your views, your taste, your age, here are some great names who are great biblical scholars. R.C. Sproul, John Piper, John MacArthur, Matt Chandler, J.D. Greer, David Platt, David Jeremiah, Charles Stanley, Andy Stanley. Now, I said that a bit fast. You can go to YouTube later and re-listen to it, or you can shoot me an email, talk to me, and I'll help you find some good resources. But these resources go not just to commentaries or study Bibles, but you should also remember these as you're looking at devotionals. As you're looking to articles online or blogs, don't just believe anything that you see, anything that you read, but read it with a filter over your eyes to Discover it upon yourselves. And that goes for what I tell you, too. Guys, I pray every day, Lord, guard my lips. Guard what comes out of them. Protect me from leading your church, your body of believers, in a wrong direction. Look up what I say. Look up what you read in articles. Don't just read what you... Don't just believe what you read unless it's straight from the Word of God. Meditate, not just a few, a few seconds, but really purpose yourself to meditate on God's word. And set a specific amount of time to just sit there. No phone, no computer, nothing but you. Nothing to distract you from the God leading your life. Number two, make choices wisely based on prayer, Bible reading, and meditation. So everything we just talked about, God's word. Your time that you spend with him reading this, meditating on this, praying with him. Those are the things that should guide your choices that you make each and every single day. So as you're making big choices, don't just go to Facebook and say, I don't know what to do here. Don't just call up mom or dad or your friends and say, guys, I'm struggling here. I don't know what to do. But go to God. You will seek me and you will find me when you call upon me. When you pray to me, when you seek me with your whole heart, 
Don't just allow it to go in one ear and out the other, but truly allow it to affect your life. Apply these principles that you read to your life. To truly know Christ, you must begin to, to live more like him. To live like him, you must know his ways. And to know his ways, you must study his ways and apply them to your life. So number three is be purposed to live according to the two greatest commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And secondly, love others as yourself. If you're trying to do this with your whole life, applying that to your life, you're going to be knowing Christ more and more each and every single day. You're going to be seeking him. Whom do you seek? We should be knowing Christ passionately. Seeking him with your whole heart. That's what I'm ending with today is how do we know Christ better? How? There's many things we can look at, many directions we can look at. We can look to how do we know Christ in our sufferings? How do we relate to him? How do we learn what his will for us? How do we know Christ better in the good times, the bad times? How do we know God's will? But the first step is to know Christ. We need to passionately seek him with our whole heart. And as we passionately seek him in all we do, we continue to be in his word more and effectively, efficiently, we'll begin to know Christ more, passionately seek him. Let me pray. Lord, I pray that today as we try to seek you with our life, speak to us, Lord. Thank you for the reassurance you give us in your word that you will hear us. When we seek you, when we call upon you, you will hear us, Lord. I pray that we can evaluate our lives and look, what do we seek? Whom do we seek? Are we truly seeking you? To know you, to know Christ. What a blessing we have to be able to know Christ with our life. To be able to not fear death, but to know the life that Christ brings through the cross and the resurrection, Lord. And we look forward to that day to be able to be blessed to be in your presence. But we thank you for the blessings you give us today. Amen. Let's stand and close it. Praise God for His grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed my chains are gone I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood His mercy Unending love, amazing grace. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior.